If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, before we get started today, I want to remind you that if you want more out of your life, there is another way. Whether you're lacking momentum in your business, you don't have a supportive environment, or you're tired of not living in your gifts and finally want to live a life that excites you, we can help. All you have to do is get on a call with somebody on my team that's going to rock your world. By going to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, we are there to help you rock your money and your life. So what are you waiting for? Go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and let's get started today. Today's guest, Jonathan Levy, is a serial entrepreneur. He's a published author and a life hacker born and raised in Silicon Valley. He's also the host of the award-winning Becoming Superhuman podcast since 2014, so he's a bit of a trailblazer in that area, and has, he has been one of the top performing instructors on an online learning platform called Udemy. And if you haven't heard of that, then where have you been? And he uh, has snowballed his success into the launch of the Superhuman Enterprises, where he creates educational and entertaining media products that empower and inspire over, check it out. 200,000 customers in 203 countries to, lit, to live richer, fuller, healthier, and happier lives. And that's why he's on today's podcast, because we love people that make a difference in the world. And we're going to learn from him directly. Please welcome my friend, Jonathan, to today's podcast. So welcome to the call, Jonathan. Thanks so much, Rock. It's really great to see you again. It's my time to have you on my podcast, and I'm super excited because one of the things that you and I share in common is this insatiable appetite for learning and for understanding the speed of the world is, the importance of having that of a skill. So why don't you give the listeners a little bit of a background as to why that something is so near and dear to your heart? Yeah, well, so uh, the title of my book, the upcoming book is The Only Skill That Matters. And it's because my life journey has really taught me that if you can learn, then you can become whatever you want. And if you can become whatever you want, then you can do whatever you want. Uh, I believe, like you probably do, that in order to achieve something, we need to actually become the kind of person who achieves that thing. If you want to be a, a millionaire, you can't just one day snap your fingers. You have to become the kind of person who logically earns that right kind of income. Uh, I wanted to be in a healthy, happy relationship, and I tried everything. And this is a, a recent application of mine. I got married a, a month and a half ago. Congrats. So I had to – thank you. And, and I realized – everything else in my life that I wanted to do, become a business owner, get an MBA. It was always a matter of learning and then becoming that right person. I struggled growing up to learn. I struggled to fit in. And I realized one thing after another, it was always just a matter of learning. If you don't like the way that you show up in social situations, you can learn how to have more charisma. You can learn to be a better conversationalist. You can learn to be a better friend. And I recently learned, you can also learn to be the kind of person who, you know, wedding band attached, is in a loving and healthy relationship. And so shortly after that experience, I realized, you know, this really is the only skill that matters. If you can learn, you can become anything. Now, I always preface that by saying, 
if you want to learn how to slam dunk and you're, you know, five foot three, I probably can't help you. But everything else is a matter of learning. And I, I recently realized, you know, I want to invest in real estate. I'm looking into buying a large multifamily real estate project. And I had so much anxiety around it. And I said, well, what do I do in these normal situations where I have anxiety around something? So I just sat down for a couple of weeks and I read books and I learned and I listened to podcasts. And I came out with this lovely quote, which is the only difference between anxiety and excitement is knowledge. When something is new, if you just learn your way through it, all of a sudden I'm excited to apply all these new things that I've learned instead of anxious about all the things I don't know. So yeah. that's, that's my take. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think a lot of people don't understand that many of the attributes that, that get people the result that they want in life are learnable. They think that, oh, you know what? That guy, Jonathan, he's charismatic. He was born that way. Or he's super smart. Or he's good looking. And I could never be that way. And I love this journey we're on because I teach people and recently analyzed successful athletes, CEOs, Olympians, et cetera, and boil it down to about the eight attributes of successful people. And guess what? Right at the top of the list is the learner, the passionately yeah. curious person. Now we'll go through them all, but there's the leader, there's the self-aware, there's the self-care part. If you don't take care of yourself and you don't take care of your health, your energy is lower, you can't apply yourself so much. Totally. You know what I love about what you said, Rock, is, is all those other things on the list. And, and the reason it's so important that number one on the list is the learner is because you can learn self-care. We all know the story of the person who worked the 120-hour weeks and almost you know, had a heart attack, so they learned the self-care learning about, about uh, you know, the interpersonal relationships, the leadership. I mean, leadership was one of the hardest things for me to learn. And I've spent 18 years since starting my first company way back when learning leadership. And, and I think we're all born with this tabula rasa. Some of us are lucky in that our parents teach us things that other people's parents don't teach us. We're, you know, we go to great schools, we have great mentors, but we all start you know, with, with nothing. So, yes, but and to that point is that I think that I want to invite the listeners to go, look, my parents gave me this, my environment gave me that. I grew up as a warrior. You can't hurt me. David Goggins, you know, try to stop me. I have that side. But what I had to work on, Jonathan, was being more empathetic, more compassionate, right. a better listener, and really putting myself in the, in the shoes of other people because there was this disconnect when they were going through difficult times. So regardless of what you were given, if we look at those eight uh, characteristics or traits, there's submodalities to the trait. So for instance, a great learner asks lots of great what? Questions. Yes. So could you become really good for a week or two or a month at just practicing asking really quality questions? I love that. Right. I love that. And, you know, one of the things that I find about questions, and I'm glad we're going into this because, you know, a lot, a lot of times when I do interviews about the book, we go straight into the memory palaces or straight into the speed reading. But there's so much beautiful nuance to this or to preparation. One of the biggest difficulties for people, and I had this because I was that kid who everyone in the class knew, well, I'm not going to ask questions because Jonathan's not going to get it. And the teacher is going to stop and explain. And I'll just listen when Jonathan gets the next explanation. I had to learn not just what the right question was, but how to get over the social stigma of I asked the question no one else asked, therefore I must be dumb. And, and there's a couple of different ways around that. One is to develop the self-esteem and continually reaffirm to yourself, I'm not dumb, I'm intelligent, I just learn differently. 
Because how many times have some, has someone come up to you and said, what's your name? Oh, rock. Well, I'm really bad at names. I'm, I'm terrible at names. Yes. So, you know, it's like we, we just have these preconceptions that we're slow learners, that we have bad memory. So getting to that point of, you know what? I'm not dumb. I just, I think in a different way and getting to a point of pride, but also learning how to ask questions intelligently. In, in other words, there's a huge difference between saying, I don't get it, explain it again, versus, so let me see if I understand what you're saying, Rock. You're saying that because so many people, you know, and, and so asking those questions intelligently gives you this psychological safety to then raise your hand in the middle of the Tony Robbins seminar where everyone's just spellbound and go, you know, Tony, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not clear on this one thing you said. So, you know, you, you, you had a, you dropped a lot there. Uh, so let's unpack that a little bit because what you really are intimating too is, is we all want to connect and belong. We all want to matter. We want to grow, but the fear is that we're not enough. So by raising our hand, asking a question that might appear to be unintelligent, then we're like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm an idiot. So we stay quiet and we hide and we isolate, which is very much against what we want, which is to connect. Totally. So one of the things that I try to remind people is that the words that follow, I am, follow you. As you describe yourself and you say, oh, I'm not good with names or I'm not a good learner or whatever it is, you're reminding yourself to behave that way. Bingo. So, there's no stronger force than this force that we want to remain consistent with how we describe ourselves. And you did this in the notes before, as you said, I am an excellent learner, or you used an adjective somewhere there, super learner. And I say the same thing. I say, you'll rarely find somebody that's as good a student as me because I've learned to learn to apply, not to learn yes. to learn, learn to learn to apply and learn to learn to teach. Yeah, you agree with and, that? and these are a couple, absolutely. And, and these are a couple of the criteria of the adult brain when it's going to learn. You know, children and adults learn differently and people take that as an excuse to claim being the old dog and learning new tricks. But actually it's, it's a very simple hurdle. You see, children learn more easily because to them, everything is new and exciting and applicable. It's like when you teach a child to tie their shoes, oh my gosh, like this is going to change their lives. Whereas when you teach a PhD student a new way to use the Oxford comma, it's like, ah, I may or may not use this. So simply by doing exactly what you said, Rock, by immediately making it second nature, you know, in, in self-development circles, we have this idea of cognitive reframing. Something bad happens to me, immediately train yourself to go, how could this be good? Same thing with learning. But anytime you encounter something new, immediately go, how am I going to use this? Because just doing that is going to change your neurochemistry it's going to change the amount of attention that you pay, and it's going to change how memorable that is, is visualizing yourself using that piece of information. This is one of my issues with, with the way so many people learn today, and I won't, I won't pick on you know, academic institutions, but it's like, why, once I've taken the test for this class, is there not other opportunities to apply it? So essentially, we know that self-testing, even self-testing, works incredibly well, and yet we don't do it. We let the student take that one final exam, and then off they go. So there are so many different things, Rock, that you can do throughout the process of learning, whether it be improving your preparation, whether it be something called spaced repetition, where you're going back and consistently reviewing things over a longer and longer timeline, or like we talked about, self-testing, applying the things that you're learning to actual real-world uses 
Uh, and that's before we get even into the whole world of mnemonics and retraining the brain and memory improvement and speed reading and all of that. Yes. So how does somebody that doesn't believe that they're a good learner transition to becoming a better learner? What would you give them as some tools? Yeah, well, one thing that I like to do is, is first and foremost, is get people to change their self-talk. I mean, when we came out with our course, we started surveying people. And in the first week, really, the only thing that they're learning is about how the brain works, a little bit of background knowledge, really connecting it so that they have a basis for what they're going to learn. And yet in the surveys, people would start saying, I can't believe this course is already working. And my team and I were sitting there and we're scratching our heads. We said, there's no, there's no way it's already working because you haven't learned anything practical yet. What we realized is, and, and we called this, we renamed this the intellectual Pygmalion effect or the memory Pygmalion effect after the Pygmalion effect studied by psychologists. And we realized that people started changing their self-talk from I have a lousy memory to I'm in a memory course and I'm improving my memory. I'm learning faster. I'm already gaining benefits. So that's the first thing. And, and one of the things I really like to do when I get on stage is I'll actually trick people into memorizing something because at the core of every single memory expert or learning expert, there's really only a finite set of techniques that you can do to dramatically improve your memory and therefore improve your learning. All learning, of course, involves memory. And we like to give memory a really bad rap, but at the end of the day, if you're going to learn something, you're going to have to remember it. And so it involves getting people to visualize all kinds of different strange images, whether it be around the room or just in their minds, and then convincing them, wait a second, do you guys realize how much you've just memorized and connecting it back to the information. So recently, I went to speak to Shell's top 150 salespeople uh, at their Global Key Accounts Leadership Conference, and I had them visualize a bunch of strange symbols and weird interactions involving Vladimir Putin and cruise ships. And then I had a few people stand on stage with their back to the board, and I said, just play back to me what you remember. And you said, well, over in that corner of the room, you talked about this person doing that. And then there were diamonds involved. And as they did that, I showed a document that they had all supposedly read. None of them had read, of course, because who has time to read a 180 page document the week before a conference, no less. And I showed them that they had actually memorized every single piece of information in that document but they'd done it in a fun and engaging way, which is visual mnemonics and memory palaces, which we can go into in more depth. But the moment that you convince someone, oh my gosh, I just did this and I didn't even know what I was doing. Imagine if I applied myself, everything changes for them. Because as we talked about earlier, the self-talk has changed. So how much of it is putting importance on the learning of the information, because think about in school, most of the time, half of us are bored out of our minds as we're trying to digest information that we think is useless. How, mu how much of the whole process is just putting meaning to the learning process? I don't know a percentage. I, I mean, if I had to say, I would say that's about 20 to 30%, but it's a disproportionate 20 to 30% because if you don't have that meaning, then you won't be able to focus. And if you can't focus, if you can't get your cognition and, and get your brain fired up to learn something, well, it doesn't matter how well the techniques are working for you. So one of the reasons that we start out with a, a super skill that we call pre-reading is because so many people, when they come to a learning course or book or whatever, it's because they're actually having difficulty focusing and getting through the material that seems otherwise boring. Now, at the end of the day, there are going to be a lot of things that we have to learn in life that are not really fun. 
you know, learning how to file your taxes, if, if you do your own taxes, that's never going to be fun, but we can find ways to make it more engaging, at least on a neurochemical level, find ways to get the brain more engaged so that we can enhance our focus. And I would say that's a huge part of it because until you have that, I'll be the first to tell you memory techniques, speed reading, these things take a lot of energy and a lot of focus to do properly. So if you can't muster that up first, you're in a pretty tough situation. Okay, so let's uh, change gears a little bit here and talk about, um, I have these 10 rules that I came across when I was doing a lot of coaching and I discovered that anybody that was violating the rules would struggle. And rule number one is 30 minutes a day of personal development. How has that kind of a habit affected your life, Jonathan? <laughs> I mean, it's changed my life. I wouldn't say it's affected my life. I'd say it's changed my life completely. And to give you an example, six years ago, I went to business school to try and figure out seven, I guess, I went to business school and graduated six years ago because I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I tried a startup and I didn't know, I didn't know if it was going to take off. And as most startups don't, it didn't take off. And so I found myself in a position where I kind of had no next plan. My plan A hadn't worked out. I had no plan B. And I thought this online learning thing is really interesting. I'd taken some online courses. What if I just took this skill that I had learned from a couple of private tutors and I just taught it to other people. You know, I would translate their materials. I'd work with them. I learned it in Hebrew, translated it to English. But I didn't know anything, Rock, about online courses. I didn't know anything about podcasts. I didn't know anything about video production or recording or really marketing either. And I locked myself in a room and I opened up a bunch of browser tabs and I bought a bunch of books and watched a bunch of webinars. And about a month and a half later, we released our first online course and it just skyrocketed. And then a few months after that, we realized, well, we could do this and we could do that. And then a year later, we realized we could do a podcast. And, and then I realized that I could hire people all over the world and outsource work all over the world. And so at every single step of the way, I've found a challenge that I don't know how to conquer, but having this daily learning habit of, well, all right, I, I don't really know how to write sales copy, but I, I bet I could figure out if I read a few books or I don't really know how to manage an online platform, but I, I bet I could figure it out has changed everything for me, both on a professional and on a personal level. So Jonathan, it begs a question to me because for me in working with so many people, behind every action or inaction, there's a belief. It's kind of like Ford says, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. So somebody <laughs> listening to you say, well, you know, I, I guess I could lock myself in a room and write some sales copy, I can figure it out. If they don't believe they have the capacity, they have the gift of administration or the ability to write code or whatever that particular thing is that they don't know that they don't know, what's the belief you have that I could figure anything out, uh, as long as I'm committed, I can, I can probably do it. What is that belief that you have? Yeah, well... At the end of the day, I realized that I have the same equipment as anyone else. And really, we know that so much of intellect is not genetic. I mean, there's, there's a very certain small part. If your parents and grandparents were very intelligent, you have a very small upper hand. But we all know people who you know, are first-generation college graduates and go on to be multimillionaires. So I know that I have no little or no more at my disposal than other people. I may have less prior experience and that's a real disadvantage, but I can close that gap. If I can learn three times faster than anyone else, then I can close that gap. And if tomorrow I decide, hey, I, I really want to figure out how solar energy works because I want to start a company in that field, 
I know that I can close that gap if I'm willing to work not only harder, but smarter. And there are different ways to learn that are going to be so much faster than your traditional path. That's one. And then looking back on my track record and saying, you know, I've been in this position before where I feel like, how am I ever going to get through this amount of learning? And I've been able to learn my way out of it. Or how am I ever going to figure this out when I'm at, at so far behind everyone else? And just trusting in myself and trusting that the only thing between me and anyone else is their knowledge. So your identity now is that of a serial entrepreneur, you're a published author, you're a life hacker. And how old are you now? 32. 32. So are you willing to share with, with my audience a little bit where you're at, uh, what your businesses look like, how many courses you've sold, what your lifestyle is? Just a little bit of a background because I work and talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people I think would like to follow the path you're on. Can you give them a snapshot of where you're at? Absolutely. So earlier this week, at the time of this recording, we rebranded everything because we had podcasts and online courses and we've rebranded everything to superhumanacademy.com, which has the Superhuman Academy podcast that has over 3 million downloads. Uh, we've produced about 14 different courses under our brand and a bunch that we do for other thought leaders that I work with as a consultant. Uh, in total, I think we've done about 220,000 paid enrollments in all of our courses. And about 6,000 of those are on our own platform. Uh, and those are kind of our higher end flagship courses. And later on today, actually, we're launching a subscription program where people can get unlimited access. It's called Superhuman Squad to all of our courses for one fixed monthly price. Then in addition to that, I do a little bit of real estate investing on the side. I have a separate business called Branding You Academy, where I teach the ins and outs of the content creation business, whether it be podcasting, creating your own books, creating online courses, and on and on and on. And that's wow. essentially the majority of my focus at the moment. Really cool. So what does your team look like? How many, how many contractors do you have spread out around the world? It really depends how you count. I, I would say that our full-time team is eight people, including myself, but one person, actually a 40-person design agency that does all of our design, uh, and, and we're, I, I'm pretty sure their largest client. And, uh, and then we've got some part-time contractors kind of all over the world. The majority of my team is in the Philippines, and then I've got some folks who are nomadic. Uh, I've got someone in Greece, I've got some part-time people in the U.S. here and there, and even someone in Bosnia, of all places. Yeah, cool. Bosnia is cool. I just went through Eastern Europe. So may I ask you what your gross sales are like? Just to give context to that for people, are you able to sell more than a million, 10 million in gross sales? Yeah. So I don't know what we're going to do this year, but I know we're over a million dollars a year in sales. We, we were significantly larger before all the changes of Facebook ads and GDPR and all right. this kind of like Cambridge Analytica. We had a really, really solid business in Facebook ads and funnels. And now we're part of the reason we're launching the subscription program is we've realized that our unique ability to borrow a term from Dan Sullivan is not really so much around the marketing, the creating the funnels and all the cold traffic. We're really good at creating content. And the game that I want to be playing is not so much waking up every single morning and going, okay, who are the next five people we're going to find to pay $500 for our premium course? I'd rather play the game of, okay, we've got a thousand people subscribing. 
what do I need to do to keep those people happy? What content do I need to create to keep them engaged and keep them consuming and, uh, and keep them as satisfied customers? I just think that's a much more fun game, at least given my skills uh, to be playing. So that's why we're, we're really moving towards the subscription model. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. I always say to people, there's two businesses you're in. One of providing the service, which is the content in your case. And the other one is finding the freaking client, which is the, right. the hard part for all of us. And it's usually the part that, especially the shy, introverted um, person adverse to rejection really, really struggles with. And quite frankly, that's usually the part that I help people with is because I've got this kind of hunter mentality. And I believe that, you know, if you don't ask, you don't receive and it's a muscle right. like you've got a, a learning muscle you really focus on. Um, I help people grow their unstoppable muscle, if that makes sense. I love that. And I'll add, you know, even if you're a proficient learner, and, and I, I really do believe myself to be, marketing today has become so technological and it really is a full-time job to keep up with what are the latest funnels that are working and the latest ads that are working and what are all these different offers and you really have to be dedicated to it full-time to keep up with all the changes that are happening in the world of digital marketing and so we did that for a few years and we kept up and we were at the front running of it and we just you know it's it's exhausting. I'd so much rather take the audience that yeah. I already have and really work on refining what I offer to them. And of course, that doesn't mean we're not, we're closing our doors to new customers. I mean, we're publishing this new book coming out, The Only Skill That Matters, because we want to reach all new audiences uh, in that way. But in terms of spending fifty to $70,000 a month on Facebook to try and get as many handshakes as we possibly can and therefore get as many customers, you know, it's going to be a long time before we go back to that well. Yeah, it seems like kind of pissing in the wind, you know, it's like, man, does it work? You don't know, you got to change. Like you said, it's a full-time job. I've been down that road and um, certainly haven't mastered it. We're always trying to find ways to, you know, the thing is for people, I think like you and I, is we want to we impact people. We want to change mm -hmm. and transform lives. That's the drug we're on. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and, and it's, it's, it's almost painful to think like, but, but I've heard this said so many times, you know, in Genius Network and from other thought leaders, like in order to be able to impact people, you have to get really, really comfortable with selling. And yes. not everyone likes that. I mean, my, my sisters-in-law always like to joke and make fun of me, at, you know, hey there, this is Jonathan Levy and stick around because in this video, I'm going to tell you. But you know what? Like that's, that's the price that I pay and that's the amount of kind of like in Russian, they have a term like selling of my face that I have to do if I actually want to get through to people. Like I have to be out there. I have to be vulnerable. I have to be on YouTube and podcasts and telling my story and, and being a little bit of a salesman. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And I think that in life we're always selling. I mean, you, you want to, you know, you, you're engaged now. You made a sales pitch there and obviously she bought, right? And uh, you're going to one day try to convince your kids to go to bed or make their, to clean up their Absolutely. room. So, I don't know if I look at it as sales, more as really caring about what's important to people. And I always gave my kids choices. I said, listen, it's, it's time to go to bed. And they go, oh, I want to watch the, you know, the end of American Idol. And I say, that's great. And tomorrow morning, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to make a decision as to whether it's going to be easy for you to get up or, or maybe more challenging if you don't get you know, the kind of sleep that your body wants at this time. So just keep in mind to notice that. Become aware of how you feel tomorrow morning if you choose to stay up later. So constantly yeah. people are consequence 
And if somebody doesn't choose to learn how to learn, there's a consequence to that. So for me, selling is listening to people, caring about people, asking what they want, what's the net gain you want, you want to become really financially free over time, well, like you're investing in real estate, uh, you took some courses on that, guess what? Real estate's passive income. I have six yes. figures that comes in a month without having to work. I don't have to work because I made decisions 20 years ago that's impacting me today. Was it easy then? No. Did it take a lot of work? Yes. Did I plant seeds that didn't harvest until five or seven years later the way I wanted to? Yes. But I had the vision and the foresight and the willingness and all that kind of thing. So I don't know. Sales, I think, is if you are passionate about learning like you are, is it really sales, Jonathan, or are you just getting to communicate something you believe in? Well, I, I tend to believe, and I thought this years and years ago, like, like you said, I think everything in life is a sale. I think when you show up to a meeting and you shake someone's hand, you're selling, right? You're selling yes. yourself. I think when you go on that date, you're selling. And, and, and likewise, you're either selling or being sold. And I know that that's you know, a, a Jordan Belfort kind of right. like, scammy wolf of Wall Street thing, but it's true. <laughs> It's, it's absolutely true. And I see this so much uh, with my wife, who's Israeli and we live in Israel. And she's not a, I guess she is a saleswoman, but she's trained as a lawyer. And we'll go somewhere and they'll be closing in two minutes. And the person will tell me, listen, you know, we're closing in two minutes. I can't let you into the store. And he sells me on that. And I'm like, oh, you know, being the polite American that I am, right. I'm like, all right. All right. I'm sorry. I bother you. And she'll come in and she'll be like, listen, I just need to go in. I just need to get this one thing. And if it's not there, I'm just, and she sells him. And I'm like, God, first off, yeah. I love this woman. But yeah. second off, like that is a sales interaction that just happened there. And if, if she wasn't able to close that sale, well, we would have had to go the whole weekend without, you know, a campfire. <laughs> right. Well, I'll add a nuance to that is that he or she with the most certainty wins. So she had certainty in that situation that she was going to convince him that she needed something. And, and that's another way to look at it. When you, are, when you are a seeker, you know what you want, you have clarity in what you want, and then you arrive in a situation because you're so clear, you've worked on your leadership muscle, you've, you've worked on your ability to ask, maybe you spent some time learning the negotiation strategies, boom, you're in a position to create or to impact what you want. So I look at, it's interesting, I look at things as these, these little pieces to a puzzle and somebody like that, that doesn't know how to negotiate or doesn't know the six human needs or how to influence people or doesn't know the behavioral assessments, disc model or something, might not be able to create rapport, influence and impact that person to the same degree as a person who's got that kind of knowledge behind the scenes on human behavior. Does that make sense to you as well? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And I always say like, you know, coming back full circle to the beginning, like we all have different things that we've learned in different skills. And one of the things that I've learned that's so incredibly valuable from my wife is her EQ, exactly the things that you said, her EQ is off yes. the charts. Yes. And so she's able to look that person in the eye and go, you know what, this is a good person. If I just play on this quick card and I just say, listen, we're going camping and we really, we're going to be stuck out in the cold if you don't just let me, I mean, she, and it's not manipulation. It's really, she can connect with that person. And I have to say, you know, we have this model in society coming again, full circle of you either got it or you don't, but it's not true. In two years of observing her and watching her, my own EQ has so dramatically increased Whereas in the past, I used to think, you know, I'm just, I'm just more introverted. 
I'm just not as personable or as empathetic. And lo and behold, I mean, look at all the things that I've learned from her. Yeah. And I mean, there's cultural stigmas too. I mean, I'm Canadian, so we're supposed to be these super nice people, right? We apologize for everything. And um, there's people that come from, you know, cliche wise from the Middle East or from other parts of Asia that are, they'll negotiate everything. It's almost rude if you don't negotiate. It's rude if you don't ask for what you want and push. So there's all those things that are stuck internally and some of them can be learned and some of them unlearned. And we could probably talk about learning for another five hours, but let's uh, talk a little bit about um, where people can get in touch with you so that they can get on the path to learning even better. Yeah, absolutely. So everything that I do, thankfully, now is merged into one website, whether that's podcast, online courses, free courses on improving your memory. You can check that out at superhumanacademy.com. And then I would also just encourage people to check out the latest book uh, coming out September 3rd. That's called The Only Skill That Matters. I worked with Tucker Max, who's a legend in the nonfiction world. Uh, I think it's the best book I've ever written by far. And it's a really great gateway drug. Uh, because it has a lot of stories and a lot of interesting metaphors. And it's just a really fun way to get into this world and start learning how dramatically you can improve your learning capabilities by changing your habits. Very cool. Can people pre-order or anything like that? I do believe there will be a pre-order available. I'm not sure precisely when, uh, but yeah, it'll be on Amazon as soon as the publisher gets that all done. <laughs> okay. Well, make sure to make a note to let me know so I can let uh, all the listeners know, uh, get it in the show notes uh, and that sort of thing in case it happens in the next little while before this is released. That would be outstanding. Um, the favorite book other than the one that you just wrote, maybe something that uh, has impacted your life, Jonathan. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be an original one, I think for you, Rock. It's, uh, but I'll tell you the story. And it was when I was 13 years old, I had a lot of issues socially. Uh, I was depressed. I was contemplating suicide. And a mentor of mine who was my father's uncle, closest thing that I had to a grandfather on that side of the family, handed me a book and he said, this has everything that you need to know for any personal problem you might ever encounter. It's like, wow, you know, Uncle Ernie, I'll be happy if I can just get two friends to string together, you know? Uh, And it was a copy, a very old and dog-eared copy of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the reason that that book changed my life so much, and I think to a large extent why I do what I do today, is I realized that a couple of words on a piece of paper could fundamentally change who I am and how I show up in the world. And that was addiction, an addiction and a starting to an addiction that I've never been able to get over, is I can just learn something and become a better human being. It, it felt like me to this amazing hack uh, to the to the life trajectory that I was going to be on. So that that would be the one. You know, so you, you kind of summed up the whole call really well is that the skill of connecting with people is, is something that's learnable. We're not born uh, with all these skills on the art of communication and, um, you know, making eye contact, smiling, being open, asking quality questions and that sort of thing. But I too learned from that book and I too was shy and introverted and I too didn't feel like I belonged. And then somebody directed me to that book and um, I can appreciate where you're coming from. So I love the, the whole message that you share, Jonathan, is that everything's learnable. It's a skill if you're willing to pour into it. So may I invite everybody to be passionately curious about the area that you want to grow into 
and dive in whole hog and realize that when you have some of the, the um, skills or I should say tactics or tools that Jonathan offers, I'd invite you to go check out his stuff and, um, and then supercharge your learning to, um, to give yourself the edge. Final parting words, Jonathan. Learning is not a spectator sport. Don't expect to sit back passively and learn all the things that you want to learn. Get in there, like Rock said, get your hands dirty, learn, relearn, unlearn. You'll be a much happier, healthier person for it. That's fantastic. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. And everybody, please remember that the strongest force in human nature is this desire to remain consistent with how we describe ourselves. The words that follow I am in your inner narrative are the things that are the building blocks to who you eventually become through your behavior. So describe yourself as a passionately curious learner, as an amazing super learner, as somebody that wants to go get the things that you want to get. Insert the words. They're free. Your voice is your choice. So go out and get it. And this has been a beautiful session with Jonathan Levy. Thanks again, Jonathan. Thank you for having me, Rock. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.